Welcome to the Watchers of the Skies program. I'm Carlos Campo, president at Ashland University. I'm joined by Dennis Montecrustos. Dennis Montecrustos, I just jumped all over you. My colleague and friend, <laughs> despite the fact I just butchered your name. That's all right. I'll survive. How are yeah, you? Yeah, I'm doing great. Doing great. Excellent. It's a Friday afternoon at Ashland. The weather is crisp, and we are joined in the studio by Philip on camera. Michaela's the boss. She's running the show. Will's here, Claudia, and Jonathan in the back. We are grateful to be here. You know, Ashland is a special place. If you have not yet visited, we are perfectly located between both Cleveland and Columbus. Easy to get to, no matter where you are in the world. And we know that the program here is outstanding and we would like you to come visit the studio meet these young people dave mccoy the department chair would love to take you on a personal tour i've just given some dave some extra work there but we are grateful to be here today we're the watchers of the skies we want to make sure our listeners are subscribing to the show telling us that they like us or not but also letting us know that uh, they have some questions so just write to us at president at ashland.edu and we'll make sure to get to those as well you know, today, Dennis, we want to talk about this free speech conference that's going on at Stanford. You know, the world of academia has come under fire in that it feels like it's not all that safe for folks to be able to speak their mind and not feel as though they are, you know, being canceled is the word that's often used. And the idea is there's a silent centrist majority. I'm actually quoting uh, Jerry Coyne, one of the invited speakers who said he believes that that group exists on college campuses, but they're silent because they've been silenced. So this is the uh, conference that's happening. Sounds pretty straightforward, but what's the controversy that's been now linked to the conference? Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of amused that he's quoting, basically you're paraphrasing Nixon's old line about the silent majority. But the silent majority. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So nothing's going to get you on everyone's side like quoting Nixon. <laughs> right. So the controversy is that it's apparently a closed conference. So, well, two things. So that it was closed rather than being open. In now, a, when you say closed, what do you mean by that? That, well, again, in the two senses. So one is that it seemed at least like all the speakers would be, let's say, if not on the right, then conventionally anti-left. Okay. All right. So they're all, let's say, dissidents from what's taken to be the prevailing orthodoxy. And no audience. I mean, it was just, this is... These guys are all going to meet, well, guys and gals are all going to meet in their own um, little conference area, and that's it. So not open to the general public, apparently not, not open to other campus uh, professors, and so it would just be their little, their little enclave, which is kind of ironic for a, a, a supposedly a conference that's dedicated to free speech. Right, and I think we'll have to wait and see exactly who's in attendance. I'm not even sure exactly where on campus. I've, I've got a copy here of the schedule, but where it's going to be held, I know that the press was excluded. So that was one of the more controversial pieces where the press said, well, wait a minute, what are they talking about that wouldn't be better for the press to be involved, to, to have some transparency around that? And I think the claim was that if we truly, you know, what's the aim of the conference? Right. If the aim of the conference is to allow us to speak openly and not feel as though the press could take what we have to say, excerpt it, you know, who knows what, what might happen there. So I think that was part of the concern. I, I do believe there will be others in attendance. I may be wrong, but I think there will be ultimately others who would be invited, maybe from the Stanford community and otherwise to listen in. But they are uh, controlling the audience. I think right. that much is clear. 
Oh, and I was going to say, but that's also a bit of a second step, too. So, I right. mean, in, in response to the pushback, they've opened it up to, at least in theory, to, uh, to an online audience, and they seem to have invited a few more people to try to speak um, with, a, let's say, a broader, a broader range of backgrounds on the, uh, the positions or about the arguments in question. Right. I mean, if you look at the lineup of speakers, and I'll go over some of those in just a moment, you know, a few of them truly have become almost infamous just in terms of them being camp, uh, canceled over the uh, last years. You know, Amy Wax comes to mind and, and some others uh, that, you know, for the most part, when you talk about cancel culture and the impact, particularly in, on higher ed campuses, you know, these are the people who are, are sort of on that list, right? Uh, you know, I think the the two authors of uh, how, The Coddling of the American Mind, a book that we've talked about on this show before, I think it's a fine book in many ways. Mm -hmm. It's it's certainly provocative, but uh, those both of those men are, are speaking as well. And I think I mentioned to you, Dennis, just before we went on air, that I registered for the conference just this morning to be uh, on, at least I see the, the feed, and I've not yet gotten a response. Now, I don't want to make too much of it because right. you never know. They just may, there may, be a, may be a delay there in terms of them getting back to me. Maybe they're vetting me very carefully to realize I'm right. a dangerous person. Right. And well, and it's also three hours earlier. so Yes, I'm waking the people up right. yep, there at Stanford. So right. we'll give them time and perhaps report out on another show. And, you know, might might be an interesting show once we see this uh, live stream, to kind of uh, maybe collect some of the, those thoughts. I think it's a very important conference. I think some of what they're getting at, as a matter of fact, if I, if I just read from you know, the publication that, uh, that went along with the announcement, you know, they say that academic freedom, open inquiry, and freedom of speech are under threat as they have not been for decades. I mean, that opening sentence, I think, is something we both agree with. And... I think is, is, is a truism. Visibly, academics are, quote, canceled, fired, subject to lengthy disciplinary proceedings in response to academic writing or public engagement. Less visibly, funding agencies, university bureaucracies, hiring procedures, promotion committees, professional organizations and journals censor some kinds of research or demand adherence to political causes. Many parts of universities have become politicized or have turned into ideological monocultures, excluding people, ideas, or kinds of work that challenge their orthodoxy. Younger researchers are afraid to speak and write and don't investigate promising ideas that they fear will endanger their careers. Do you take issue with any of, any of what I just read? Only if you say that I can. <laughs> that's right. Who's listening? That's right. But um, one thing that's interesting, so in our previous show, we talked about um, Ujoanya, and some of the writers there were say, saying the same thing, that, yes. that they're being stifled as well. And her view is, of course, on, on some matters is, would be more associated with even the radical left. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of interesting that both sides are feeling it. And so one, one question I, I have for you is if you think that academic institutions are... So it's not a matter of, let's say, an ideology, that they're in the grips of an ideology. So we can distinguish, let's say, between the, the professoriate on the one hand, which skews very, very heavily liberal, um, almost everywhere, and, let's say, administration, which has a bias for the status quo. Mm. So to, to kind of uh, to, to paraphrase Michael Jordan, Republicans buy college educations too. <laughs> so they want to have things just be as, as kind of level as possible, try not to rock the boat. I mean, so if professors 
have strong left-wing views, okay, but you know, don't advertise it, just kind of keep everything um, calm and quiet. So to the degree that they can just kind of tamp down all of these, uh, these worries, right? Is that, what, is that what administrations are about? So I think some administrations are about that. I think finding a balance is important. You know, so many of these things truly align with the individual institution, right? And the way that the board of governors or trustees are working with the administration. This idea is that what's different about us, right? People say, you know, universities aren't so different from churches, right? Gosh, I go to whatever city and there are churches on every corner. Do we need all these churches? You know, what's the difference between First Baptist and Second Baptist Church? And, you know, we, we believe that communities find one another, you know, and they find a place where they feel at home. I know that uh, the students, students here in the studio would have their own Ashland story to tell, but I hear more and more that when students come to Ashland, they say, you know, there's something about the place that just felt like they're, uh, my tribe was here. I felt a connection to the mission, to the place. And I think that's one of the things that administrations try to do. Boy, does that sound like I'm really <laughs> supporting the status quo and saying those things. But I think if administrations are doing their work, they are providing a landscape for the student body. Everything we do is for students first. So we need to have a balanced view within the professoriate so that we have this, you know, as it were, a panoply of opinion. So that's my concern. You know, we've talked about Colorado University that literally had a donor pay for a political scientist, right. a chair right. that was conservative. You know, those kinds of things seem absurd to me, Dennis. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's the concern that I feel that, that is getting raised here. You know, on a related note, and I don't want to take us down too much of a rabbit hole, but I think you know that I serve on a national committee for the NC2A, and they were talking about their championships for Division II will be taking place this fall at Seattle Pacific University. As you may know, Seattle Pacific mm -hmm. has had been in an uproar lately. They've been working on some documents related to hiring practices and those kinds of things. And several students and faculty and staff were concerned about where Seattle Pacific would land. And they actually sp spoke specifically about marriage, between uh, being between a man and a woman. And as a result, there's been an uproar about that. It's you know taking us back to another age. Well, my point is that the NC2A was considering not allowing the championships to move forward right. because that institution then does not align with the values of the NC2A and hence, you know, may, maybe make students feel threatened or not safe to, to go. They went on to say hiring practices do not fall within that purview. That yes, they remember North Carolina came under scrutiny and they did cancel events that were scheduled to take place there. That was different because this was really about the venue, the place, versus hiring practices. So that's where they cut the baby, as it were. But I, I guess what I'm getting at here in all of this is these are high-stakes issues now, right? Where sure. universities land, where their ethos mm -hmm. lands. So that was an administrative call. The administration at Seattle Pacific made that decision. They worked, I'm sure, closely with the Board of Trustees. Where does that fall out in the faculty community and others, and how does that impact students? So I think in this same regard, where a student or a faculty member or even a staff member feels that somehow they would be silenced. We've talked about things like, you know, support for Israel. You know, can you support Israel on a college campus today if you're a faculty member? Uh, can you literally do it? You know, there are places who are divesting from fossil fuels. Could you say something in that right. regard? 
So I think these are all areas that continue to be under scrutiny. And I guess what I'm getting at is the impetus behind this free speech conference, I think, strikes at the heart of what great universities are about, right? Mm -hmm. Don't we believe that unfettered truth, if allowed its full reign, will lead to unfettered truth is only going to be found out if folks are unfettered in their analysis of it, right? right? In, their, in their journey, in their quest toward that. I know here at Ashland, we express that in, we're teaching students how to think and not what to think. And behind that phrase is this belief that if you truly allow students this route to unfettered debate, mm -hmm. let them tease out that element, it will emerge as truth. And so that's our belief, that's our hope. And I think this, at least the impetus behind this conference is, is really on track in helping students and academics to find a better way forward. Right, but, but there is of course the irony and in both directions with this conference. Yes. So that it's at least seemed to be kind of cooked so that way it would be this group who, you know, it would be more of a, a planning group than really one where they're debating the ideas or perhaps, hmm. right? So it's more, hey, we're all kind of on the same page here let's try to figure out what we can do. Seems to be at least the mindset behind this. Uh, and so that's not really, let's say a debate, right? It's, it's more, okay, we're, we're kind of working as a team to, to kind of plan strategy. And yeah. on, the, on the flip side, the, the irony is that uh, they're criticizing, or the, the, the side that's criticizing this conference, a lot of the criticism is other people who are speaking, and it's kind of implicit, like, these are people who don't deserve to have a voice. <laughs> so, there you go. So, yeah, you've got the, the kind of irony on, on both sides of this. Right. Well, yeah. we talked about Jerry Coyne. You know, his website is Why Evolution is True. And he just, I think, yesterday said, I've gotten a lot of emails from folks who said, you are legitimizing the entire group. And they literally called out two or three of the names, which I won't repeat, but they called out a few of the names saying, you know, these other people, uh, okay, but so-and-so is going to be there. Do you realize just being in the same room with so-and-so legitimizes them and right. their viewpoint and that sort of thing? And he just said, I, I don't agree, and I am going, so just let everyone know I'm going to attend, I'm going to speak. And he said, I, I don't know why you just don't turn off the live feed when that person is speaking, yeah. right? And I think, you know, we've combated this in the past, this idea of these speakers, the, uh, many of whom we don't agree with, and yet if they're invited by students to come to Ashland, we would support their right to come, mm -hmm. and students' right to protest, and students' rights to, to support them. You know, I'm, I'm just, uh, I promised to, you know, read off some of these names, and some of these are, you know, I, I said <laughs> are well known as, you know, being people who have uh, been victimized, I guess, in some ways by cancel culture, but but not all of them, Dennis. You know, uh, they actually have um, one that's uh, looking at a specific state of higher education in the U.S., U.K., and Canada, and they have a, a gentleman from Santa Cruz, someone from Concordia University in Montreal. His name is God, Gad Saad, John Ellis from Santa Cruz, and Eric Kaufman from University of London. I don't know all of them, but the little I do know of them, would they would not be in a particular camp like, you know, someone like, uh, you know, uh, perhaps someone like uh, Greg Lukianoff uh, who would be and some of these others. Uh, but, you know, Steven Pinker has, right. has been invited to speak. Yeah, well, he's had some controversy in recent years. But, but yeah, there are others who are 
yeah, like Tyler Cowen is another guy who was right. well known, and there's no uh, no no skeletons in terms of being politically incorrect or anything of that sort with him. But um, yeah, but certainly quite a number of people who who have been dogged by controversy. Sure. Well, Joshua Katz, you know, right. uh, you know, perhaps m most famously so, and I think it will be interesting to see how these discussions unfold. And I, I, I do commit to our listening audience that we'll look at that information, try not to filter it too much and see if we can at least say, hey, here's what came out of that conference because I believe, you know, here we are, free speech conference, let's not even have it, say some voices, right? right. We, these people don't even deserve uh, a forum for this kind of discussion. We won't agree with everything that's said, and I hope that I am, I am able to, to view the live stream, uh, live stream, hope we both do, and then be able to report out if uh, this was balanced at all. And, and I think, at the very least, I think even those folks who would be unified in their belief that cancel culture hurt them personally and hurts higher ed and academia more broadly, would be the first to say, despite all of those things, we think a rigorous de debate around these lines is still important. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, but again, it's what's the function of this conference. Yes. So I, I suspect, based on who's there, that it's going to be more kind of a what can we do, but we'll see. We'll see what they, what they come up with in that respect. Uh, and of course, they could, the, the, uh, their cultured enemies could create their own conference, right? And, sure. And do the same thing and perhaps have. So it's, well, again, that's, and I, that's I, part I, of the debate. Let's say a meta debate. So it doesn't necessarily have to be within the conference, but. Sure. Yeah. As we say, the, you know, what's the aim of this conference? And I think just in reading that preamble, it does seem clear that they are concerned about cancel culture. Right. These are people who've experienced it personally. But again, bringing people like Steven Pinker in will certainly balance the, the discussion somewhat, you know, although Pinker has, has had some of those concerns as well. So we do make that commitment uh, longer term. And I think as we continue to work through how free speech manifests itself on college campuses, that there is, it feels like there is a, a growing sen sentiment around students want this more than anything. You know, students, I've talked to some of our students and they, they have said, you know, Dr. Campo, I think there are some things we just shouldn't allow people to say. You know, they're criticizing a certain race or they're criticizing a certain, uh, you know, uh, preference that a student has. You know, this is just, it's anathema to us. You know, if we stand for Christian principles here, shouldn't we just shut down this discussion? And I know how hateful it is, how those words are, and it's hard to hear them, but we're continuing to try to, to stand for academic freedom and the freedom of expression as being at a very high level. And if it's not truly threatening someone's life or some, some other element in that fashion, we want to be as broad as we can be in these questions. So here we are at the end of the show, but not at the end of the debate and knowing that uh, this discussion will be important. So we look forward to uh, taking this up again, perhaps right after this conference has ended, and to be able to extend to our listening and viewing audience some more thoughts around this. Absolutely. We're grateful that you're with us. We are watchers of the skies. We don't see it all, but uh, we're doing our best to bring you some interesting thoughts here on the Watchers of the Skies program.